0: but we're in the book of Nehemiah today and, and we're going to be, we have to cover a lot of ground. And since the Lord's just been so gracious to be moving among us, we're going to have to cover a lot of ground a little bit quicker than I had originally intended, but there's a lot of scripture and it's a, it's coming off of last week's message of courage. And as I just dug was just continuing to just see things and write things and sometimes you're back into the messages that the Lord has given for a week and I begin to realize that this was a this was a an actual message of courage last week we talked about courage as kind of a, a a topical type of study whereas this week we're gonna actually look at from the book of Nehemiah's life we're gonna look at an individual who walked out their life in courage. And we're gonna look at some just very some very practical aspects of Nehemiah's journey of rising and building. Look at the person next to you and say, Rise and build. You can look at somebody else, and you can even say it like this: you can say, Rise and rebuild. You know, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, <clears throat> prowls around like a roaring lion seeking, to, seeking someone to devour. The book of Nehemiah is that, is that example of, of those people and circumstances that continually look to pull down and to stop the work of God that Nehemiah set out to do and we see all throughout this journey of Nehemiah's initial 12 year of being governor in in Jerusalem we see all this the courage that is required so this book of Nehemiah ends up being a book of courage and it ends up being a book of godly wisdom in strategy you know some of you are gonna remember from about a year ago already, man, it's already 13 months ago, um, I ministered a sermon called Throw Tobiah Out. Who remembers that message? Anybody remember? So about a dozen of you remember that message. Throw Tobiah Out. The other ones, if you weren't able to hear that one or, or remember that one, just keep that in mind as we go through this study today. on the book of Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 11 through 16 so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days and then I arose in the night I and a few men with me and I told no one I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode Verse 13, and I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and to the refuge gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down in its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up by night. I went up in the night by the valley, the valley Kidron, and viewed the wall. And then I turned back and entered by the valley gate, and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who actually did the work. Lord, we just. Pray today that your word would just penetrate our hearts. Help us. Lord, help us again to today leave this place with just more courage, Lord. Just being encouraged by these words and strategies and principles in Nehemiah's life. Lord, that you would just by your spirit just come and and strengthen your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. When Nehemiah, as most of you know, and we kind of skipped over chapter one there, the, the calling, the, the impression upon Nehemiah's heart to, to do what? Go to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. We all know about the rebuilding of the walls that Nehemiah was called to do. Of course, separately from the rebuilding of the walls, there was first the rebuilding of the house of God that Zerubbabel had already accomplished. Prior to this and and then there was going to be another important character in this drama Ezra the scribe who was going to rebuild the teaching of the word of God but Nehemiah's job was he was coming in as the visionary and eventually the governor to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem to put in safety once again in the city of Jerusalem and when Nehemiah arrived to to the city of Jerusalem the first thing that that happened is he began to just go through the city and he began to look at he was and it was probably like walking through a it was walking through ancient city that the walls were broken the homes were broken there was there was no one in the streets it was it was desolate but the only time that I've experienced maybe something close to that was the days following Katrina having to go drive through the city of New Orleans. It was, it was a spooky, spooky place to drive through. And I can, I can sort of imagine Nehemiah on his animal, walking or walking that animal and himself by himself, going through this city, looking at the work. He knew the work was gonna be hard. Look at the person next to you and say, he knew the work was gonna be hard. He also knew which is proof by the fact that he didn't share with anybody maybe he read the story of joseph and said that's probably not a good idea you know joseph oh i had a dream great let's throw you in a ditch i mean let's throw you in a let's throw you in a in a hole you know i had a dream boom maybe he just got finished reading the book of joseph and his devotionals that day and and Nehemiah thought to himself, you know what, I'm going to prepare my heart for this work first. There's many of you even sitting here today that the Lord has spoken to you about a work, it might be a life work. It might, be a, it might be stepping out of doing something different, or it might just be a rebuild that's happening in your life right now that the Lord is impressing upon your heart to engage into. And, and like Nehemiah, the first, the first step that we have to do is we have to begin to prepare our hearts for the work that's what he did for the first three days that he arrived to jerusalem he didn't call any big meetings at that point he didn't have any vision casting at that point he just came into the city and he began to prepare his heart for the work finally in chapter 2 and verse 17 it then says that he then said to them after his preparation of going around and seeing the city preparing his heart perhaps even building up confidence in his life and building up the courage to do what the Lord had spoken to him to do he said to them in verse 17 you see the distress that we are in how Jerusalem lies waste in its gates are burned with fire come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been upon me and also the King's words, he had spoken to me. And so there at this, after this preparation of heart, He went and he says, it's time to begin to build the walls in order to remove the reproach that had been come upon us. And keeping in mind that the reason the reproach had come upon the city was because the people had rebelled against the Lord. They were no longer receptive to God. They were no longer listening to his voice for, for decades and for a long time centuries and the lord's words came to pass that the babylonians came and they destroyed that city rented and tore it down to the ground taking all the articles found within the house of the god destroying their home so that they were inhabitable and destroying the city wall so that it was unprotectable and so here they were all these years later and Nehemiah was going and saying, It's time to put our hands to work and rebuild. Do you hear me today? You're just gonna have to grab little bits and pieces today. So one person got it, does two people have it? <laughs> it's time to set our hands and build a good work. When we set our hands to it, when we decide in our heart to go and obey what the Lord has spoken to us. We need to understand and know that people will laugh. People will despise the good work that you desire to do. It's one of the phenomena of people just wanting to do something for the Lord and and people despising and people holding us back and pushing us down from accomplishing the work of God. In Nehemiah 2.19, it's these three guys, these three foreigners that were hanging out in in Jerusalem and there about around Jerusalem. And Sanballat, the Hornanite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arab, they heard of it in verse 19, and they laughed at us and they despised us and they said what is this thing that you're doing what is this thing that you're doing you know I remember and and just to relate it some to a few of my journeys in life I remember when we got to to China my wife and I we were so excited man we were like man they're gonna throw the red carpet for us because we're awesome I was like that in my heart. My wife was the humble one. The most humble person she knows, right? She's gonna throw something at me all the way back there. Everybody welcome Christine and Rachel back in the house. Rachel was here last week, of course. But we got there and to my, to my surprise and to my horror, all of a sudden we began to uh, to encounter so much pushback from wanting to do what? Well, we just want to, you know, build a church, a um, school, Bible school. Or I mean, we just want to build a few things in the despise, mainly from the foreign population, strangely enough to sort of tie it into this passage. Rarely would we come across a local. That would not be for the vision. Even Nehemiah, as much trouble as we're going to see Nehemiah have gone through, he always had much more support than he had opposition. We don't always remember that. You know why we don't always remember that? Because we pay way much more attention to the oppositional voices in our life than we do to the supportive voices in our life. We will spend nights crying about somebody saying something about us bad than we ever would celebrating somebody saying something good about us because we already think we're wonderful. So if somebody says something good about us, they're just telling us something we already know. Right? i don't know i don't know if that's the reason but it sounds funny but if somebody comes against us here in this passage there's three against them and and then those early days for us and and as we were starting and one of the works that the lord had called us to do man it felt at times that the entire world was opposing us when the reality was there was two or three people that were opposing The work that the Lord had placed upon our heart. But we were caught, I was caught, full unaware of the realities of the scorn of people when you set out your life to do something for the kingdom of God. Building a church, building a ministry, preaching the gospel is much different than building a business. It's much different than building a business. Nehemiah looked to them in verse 20. After the despise and the laughing came at him, his first encounter of the despise and the laughing. And he answered to them and said and you'll have to take note of this and if even might want to write down at least the scripture reference because nehemiah had a response every time that they brought laughter and disdain and they brought accusation and they brought threats he always had a response for them and in verse 20 in chapter 2 of nehemiah he answered them and said to them the god of heaven himself not his angels or I mean, he's like, God himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants will arise and build. I want you to say it with me. Say arise and build. I want you to close your eyes and speak it to yourself. Say self arise and build. We didn't do that very well. Let's show me, hold up. Pause, pause, self arise and build all right I remember sometimes you're not Chinese (laughs) but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem he told to those three naysayers that were speaking against the work you see we as a people we have to trust that God will prosper the work of our hands but at the same time, we have to listen to me today. We have to wise up to the Tobias that will show up when we're attempting to do something for God. We're going we're to call that whole group of guys, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem. We're going to call that whole little threesome. We're going to call them the Tobias. You're going to see why that we're going to call them that as we get... To the end of today's message, but we're going to call them the Tobias, and we have to begin to prepare ourselves for the Tobias that are inevitably going to show up in our life when we try to do something for God. Who does Tobiah represent? Tobiah is the representation here in this Old Testament context, in this Old Testament text, the representation of the people. Or the circumstances that come against us in life as we try to move forward about the work of God. It's everything. He represents every enemy strategy. Every despising against us. Laughing at us. Trying to discourage us. Anytime you ever try to do something significant in your walk with Christ, you're going to have and find resistance. You're going to find resistance every time. We got to wise up to this. We have to, as Nehemiah did those first three days, I I can envision him just going through that city saying, oh my goodness, Lord, they're not going to like Oh, they're going to they're fight against us. As he, was, as he was taking an inventory of the work that had to be done, he was preparing. Oh, Lord, this isn't going to be easy. He who builds a house first goes and counts the cost. We go and prepare ourselves in both financially. We prepare ourselves emotionally. We prepare ourselves spiritually for the work in the rebuild that is ahead of us. Don't fool yourself into thinking it's gonna happen easily just because it's the lord doesn't mean there's not going to be resistance Amen. to nehemiah when we say what was who does tobiah or what does tobiah represent he was nehemiah's thorn in the flesh the Tobiahs in our life they employ all sorts of different methods, really any method they can figure out and find to slow down, to harm, to stop you from doing what you're supposed to do. So what do you do in the face of these adversaries? And we're just going to continue to build it in our hearts. We rise and build. Everybody say rise and build. But let's look at them. Let's just be very just methodical here this morning. And we're just going to read Scripture and look at Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah chapter 6. And we're going to make our way, not verse by verse, but all the way to chapter 13. The methods that were employed by the Tobias to try and stop us. Well, we already read that the first thing that they did when Nehemiah cast the vision, they started on Vision Sunday. It was Vision Sunday, and Nehemiah was all, at this point, he had his presentation. And it was on that same vision day that the scorning and the laughing began. They will fight us with their insults. Attempting to make us feel bad about ourselves, that we don't have what it takes to do what God has told us we can do. Make you try to feel bad about yourself. All the all the things that you've done. Wh- wh- who do you think you are? Are you actually rebelling? Are you rebelling against the King? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, "Whatever they build, even if a fox goes." Up on it, it will break down their stone wall, insulting our abilities, insulting our craftsmanship, if you would. I saw a fox this morning running outside my, my little window. That thing's just about this big, just as cute as can be. Man, if that fox can break down a wall, you didn't do much good building it, right? Telling us that we are not worth the effort to even try it fight us with their conspiracies to harm us, attempting to even physically stop us from moving forward. In chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, it says, Now it happened when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Eshadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored keep in mind they were being restored in spite of all the insults in spite of the despising in spite of the laughing in spite of all the attempts to stop them the walls were as we know continuing to rise but at this point they became angry boy there's nothing that ticks the enemies and Satan off more in our life. When we continue to build and move forward, despite all the different adversaries that are working against us. I mean, if you just want to, I mean, you thinking, you're going around thinking about how you can like get, oh, well, this is what I would do to that person. I would strangle them like this. I would tie them up like this and you know, whatever. Tickle, tickle their ear with their hands tied behind their back. I'm trying to keep it all cordial here. It's not what you're thinking. But there's nothing that gets them more upset than you just continuing to make progress forward. That's right. Thank you, Living your life yeah. for God. Yeah, that's right. Being obedient to what the Lord has spoken to you. There's nothing that brings them more pleasure than if you were to stop, halt, slow down, complain, focus on them. Anything to take your eyes off the work the Lord has given you. Anything. Their objective is to distract. Distract to the point to where you don't continue to move forward. It's an amazing thing when we get down to the bottom of, and I'll give you a little hint right now. All of their attacks had nothing to do with the wall. Some of you never thought about that before. We'll see that in a minute. At this point, they're just using the wall as their, as their tool, as their ploy. You know, I, I learned this lesson too early on. as I've told you a couple stories of my Teen Challenge days. Well... Well here's another one which I was in the second phase of Teen Challenge walking out my my new salvation I wasn't walking out sobriety at this point I was walking out being a new creation in Christ and I was getting up in the mornings and in my first 3 months as Teen Challenge's structure I think it actually it's 4 months you go to induction and then the second 8 months you go to second phase and and I come to second phase just with all oh, my bible and everything and I'm just like I'm I'm this new man right I'm just all happy and life is wonderful and I start getting up in the morning because we we wash cars every day left at 6:30 to go someplace, we were in Florida, and we would go wash cars at this massive secondhand car place. We would wash hundreds of cars every day. I was man, I could clean an engine like you wouldn't believe with my little sprayer. And so, if you were going to do your devotions and spend time with the Lord, I mean, you had to be up, fed, cleaned, ready—you know—to get in the van by six thirty. So, so I got early on somehow. I think some one of the. Um, instructors sort of encouraged me. I was getting up early, doing my devotions, and just minding my own business—not talking to anybody, not looking to anybody, not hanging out with anybody—just minding my own business, doing my devotions with Jesus. Next thing I know, there's this whole posse. I mean, there was a posse. There was a there was a Sanballat, There was a Tobiah. There was a Geshem. There was the Ammonites. There were these other you know kishonites and all. I mean, there were there were all there was this posse that all of a sudden was out there strategizing to hurl insults. And to my really surprised, man, I started to feel a so little bad for myself. <laughs> they're, they're picking on me. They're picking. I, I remember one time going to the director. I'm like, the director, they're talking about me. I mean, I was, you know, whatever, figuring things out. I don't think I said it quite like that, but I said it because they had gone hurling their insults and they started making conspiracies to try to get me kicked out. They were trying to get me kicked out of Teen Challenge. And what was I? Th- I was like, what am I doing? I'm just, I'm just reading my Bible early in the morning. I'm just trying to get up and work hard. I mean, I don't know, maybe, I, I really don't know, but I get to that workplace and, you know, they'd all be sneaking out smoking their cigarettes and whatever else they're trying to, you know, get their hands on But I'm just, I'm there with my engines. I'm just, <laughs> next, <laughs> <laughs> getting that van by the end of the day. and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I was just keeping up a clip a little bit too quick. But it was it was a revelation to me how as an early on as a new believer, how these these Tobias, they come from nowhere and they just wanted to tear me down just for simply wanting to pursue God. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to know that when we start doing right and walking after God with all our heart that there are going to be these Tobias that stand up and try to trip us up. They try to set us up. They try to stop us, tie us up. Whatever they can to stop you from moving forward. In Nehemiah chapter six is verses one through nine. Now, when it happened, when Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of the enemies heard, listen to this, heard that I had rebuilt the wall Hmm. and there were no breaks left in it, the wall got rebuilt, the wall was finished, the wall was done check leave me alone go away right you've been fighting me this whole time not to rebuild the wall laughing saying that a fox is going to step on it and the thing's going to crumble well the wall is done go bye-bye look at the person next to you and say they didn't go bye-bye because the wall was never actually the thing it's never, it never was the wall. It's about what they represented and what the wall was going to provide them the ability to do. It was about the restoration of the worship of God within the city of Jerusalem. It started with the temple and it went to the wall and it came to Ezra rebuilding the teaching of the Word of God. It has nothing to do with all these external things. It's about you and your. Your heart in your life's pursuit of Christ they got more determined than ever they 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 turned up their strategy at this point they're like we're gonna pull the sweet method they sent letters come meet us come hang out with us Ball and all of them they said come let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Anno. But they thought to do harm to me. They were gonna just take him out. The wall was done. Why take him out if the wall's already done? Verse five, then Sambal had sent his servant to me as before the fifth time. Everybody say the fifth time. They kept mean, They got persistent. Know this without a doubt in your life, the Tobias that are going to come after you in your life to stop you from following and pursuing the plan of God in your life. They will be some of the most persistent, irritating thorns in your flesh that you'll ever know in your entire life. Five times the last time with an open letter to try to sway the people there in their hearing and you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem saying there is a king in Judah now they're throwing accusations now these matters will be reported to the king come therefore let us consult together and then I sent to him saying no such things as you say are being done but listen to this principle right here and never forget it as long as you live but you invent them in your own heart you are inventing them in your own heart always know that the accusations and the The things that people come and throw at you oftentimes, it's only the intentions of their own heart that they're projecting onto your life. We know here in our neck of the woods in Louisiana, we know historical cases of preachers that are some of the hardest preachers against sin and adultery and and, and fornication and and sex and outside of marriage. And we know some of the things that transpire there. We We have firsthand experience with this, inventing and projecting that which is really just our own evil intentions and desires. Nehemiah revealed the true motives of their heart. Amen. The true motives of somebody's heart that's trying to pull us down. And trying to stop us from rebuilding our life. Rebuilding the walls and the purposes in our life. We have to learn to recognize the traps of the enemy people of God. We cannot be so naive to just keep on just pouncing our way straight into the same trap after trap after trap. You heard me, you heard what I said years ago. (laughs) That little trap when I got to that house one day and I'm saved for two years and and I'm going to that house and and all of a sudden that young lady that was in the house, she comes running outside, oh, I'm in the shower. Oh, I'm like, (laughs) I'm never coming back to this place. Trap, I was helping a family tearing down the barn. The old gentleman was there. He couldn't do it himself anymore. Old, he was like 150, guys. And <laughs> couldn't do the work himself anymore, so I was helping him tear it down. They had a daughter that was there. And here I was just coming on my Friday trip to just come do my, do my community service, and I would sleep there on Fridays. And all of a sudden, the enemy tried to, tried to trip me up with that young lady. Young men, he will try to trip you up with those young ladies, young ladies the same is true for you, we have to recognize the tricks and the traps of the enemy because your enemy will be persistent. We're talking about putting tools in our toolbox to be people of courage. I mean, we can talk and we can impart and we can let the anointing of the Lord impart courage to us, but know that we're going to have some tools and we can look to the men and women of God from past and we can get strategies to walk out this courage in our life. They will fight us with their threats, attempting to scare us to stop. For they are trying, in verse 9, Nehemiah 6, for they are trying to make us afraid. If scaring us doesn't work, then they will try with their bribery. They will go to money. If money doesn't work and scaring us doesn't work and insults don't work, well then they will just go to false prophecy. (laughs) I'm telling you, Tobiah will stop at nothing to try and hinder you from accomplishing the plan of God in your life. They will even try to get to those that are closest to us. Nehemiah chapter six, we have to just read it. Verses 10 through 14 says, After I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, the son of Methodabel, Maybe. Listen who Methetabel was. He was a secret informer. Now he Nehemiah hung out in his house, but he was a secret informer. And he said, Let us meet together in the house of God. He was a he was a prophet. You'll find out later at the end of this passage. Methetabel was actually a prophet, and he was saying, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. Listen to this Nehemiah response and let it be on your top three list. When Nehemiah responded to this man that was trying to go spiritual, he was trying to put a religious twist on it. He was trying to say, hey, let's just go and reckon this out in the house of God. And Nehemiah looks back at him and says, should such a man as I flee? He says, I am not that person. I'm not that man. And you're now wasting your time. Should such a man as I go and should, who is there such as I? I mean, this is some serious, some confidence that's being displayed. It's courage. It's confidence. It's knowing who you are. It's knowing what God has called you to do. By this point, man, this is for sure what happens after months and years of Tobias coming at you. Remember, Nehemiah rebuilt the wall in 52 days, an amazing feat. So he'd already had all these attacks come at him in a 52-day time frame. But with all that, what was happening was with every attack and with every insult and with every pushback that he would stand up against, proclaim God's faithfulness, pray for God's health, ask God to strengthen his hands but with every one that he would see God come through he was getting a little stronger and a little more confident and a little more sure in who he was he was getting more sure in who he was should such a man as I go into the temple to save his life I will not go in and then I perceive listen that God had not sent him at all. He was presenting himself as being sent by the Lord. You'll have those in your life as well. But that he pronounced this prophecy against me. There you go, prophet, false prophecy speaking to you. Don't be so naive into Eve, believe every word that's spoken to you. Hear me today, people. Firsthand from Nehemiah. At first, the impression that we're getting is that Nehemiah gave him some of the benefit of the doubt. He wasn't going to go into the temple, but then it says that I then perceived. So he was contemplating it, he had listened to it, but he was was rolling it through his heart. He was seeking the Lord and he said, you know what, that is no word at all. That is not from the Lord. I perceive that that's not a word from God. But that Tobiah always comes back to Tobiah. It always comes back to Tobiah and Sam Bollett had hired him. When they can't get to you through the front door, when they can't get to you that direct method, they'll try to buy their way into stopping the work of God in your life. And that purchasing and that buying the halting of the work of God in your life can manifest itself in many, many different ways. It may not manifest itself in the same, you know, context of this espionage bribery. I mean, this whole story of Nehemiah would make a great, you know, movie if done well. You got to watch out from being bought. I heard a great testimony of that one time of a man who just got the biggest promotion in his life. It was going to be a game changer in his life, an absolute game changer for him and his family. But he realized in the moment getting the promotion and in the moment looking at the numbers that were going to be given to him, he realized that he was selling out. And he was going to he was actually selling out to this thing. And he said, you know what, love you, don't need the promotion. And oh, yeah, by the way, I'm leaving the company as well. And when and trusted God for a new beginning, it'll present itself in many, many different ways to try to stop the plan and the purposes of God in your life. For this reason, he was hired that I should be afraid. Verse 13, chapter six, that I should be afraid and act that way in sin fear that would push us into sin that then pulls us away from the Lord so that they might cause evil for a report and that they might reproach so here Nehemiah is finished building the walls but they didn't stop with their accusations. They kept on because the walls weren't their goal. The house of the Lord was rebuilt. The walls for their protection were now erected. And now the last thing to inhabit Jerusalem was the homes that lay in ruins. Brace yourself for what happens next because it's You've never heard of this type of tithe before. They rebuilt the city. And keep in mind at this point, Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 2, Nehemiah then hands over the ruling of Jerusalem to Hanani, who is his brother. Hanani is also the initial brother who came to him in Persia and told him the report about the city of Jerusalem that prompted Nehemiah to have this burden to rebuild. Never underestimate the people the Lord uses to speak and that creates a dream or a burden in your life. Amen. Those people are special. In my experience, there's not a whole lot of them throughout your journey. That's my own personal experience though. Hannah and I, The brother of Nehemiah was one of those people. He ended up giving him the keys to Jerusalem when Nehemiah had to return to King Artaxerxes in Persia. And so now they're there in Hanani and little unclear if Nehemiah is still sort of hanging around at this point, but they're looking at these walls and they're rebuilt and they're looking at the city. I'm sorry, they're looking at the city at this point and there were no people in the city they did all this work but the people didn't want to live in the city you see shambult tobiah geshem their goal was remember jerusalem was the heartbeat of worship they wanted and needed to keep the people out of the city not who cares about some stones on a wall We need to keep the people out of the city. And so when the people realize this, and they realize the necessity of having to rebuild in the commitment that it was going to take, listen to what happened in Nehemiah 11, one through two. Now the leaders of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots. Listen, remember, nobody's in the city. They cast lots to bring one of every ten that they would then live and dwell in the city the people gave the most unusual tithe to the lord they tithed to the lord a tenth of their people in order to reestablish the people and the population in the city of Jerusalem, they tithe themselves. They tithe themselves. They cast lots. The lot could have fell on anybody. Could have fell on their precious little Johnny. Their wonderful little Lucy. Their little Gabriel. They're James, the lot they cast lots, and they said, Lord, we're gonna trust you. But of every 10 people that we have in all of our cities, we're gonna give you a tenth because we're committed, you, we're committed to rebuilding, yes. rebuilding the worship. In Jerusalem, we're committed to rebuilding the house of the Lord. It's one of the most dramatic, <laughs> radical offerings that has ever been made in the Word of God. Even more so than the offering that Solomon made, which in, in terms of amount, we, it just blows our mind. In terms of the offerings the Israelites made when they brought to Moses all their offerings to build the tent of tabernacle. I mean, they just took it from the people of Israel. I mean, of Egypt. But now all these years later, Lord, we're going to give you a 10th of us That's right. yes, we do. Thank you, Jesus. because we're committed to the rebuild and I got to bring this thing to a close. And so we're going to come all the way, all the way to the end and watch this. You're like, okay guys, oh, I, I know I'm going long. I know I'm sorry about it, but whatever. Listen, listen, listen to this. Watch this. You think Tobaya's gone, right? we only preached this one little part 14 months ago we preached it for whatever an hour just this one little part i mean we've gone gone all the way back to throughout the whole time is trying to stop the work the whole time he's the adversary he cares nothing about the house of God he cares nothing about the people of God he cares nothing about the welfare God's plan and our worship of God now we get all the way all these years later Nehemiah returns to Persia he puts a lesser I don't I don't want to speak bad of Hananiah but Nehemiah was gone during when this happened what I'm about to read to you he was back having to put in some time so he could get his pension <laughs> he'd already put in a lot of time in Jerusalem but the King Artaxerxes was like hey dude you coming back my cup it just it just never quite got to me the same after you left I need you to come with the whole cup-bearing thing because you did it like none other. Come back. So he's back doing the cup thing with the king and his brothers running the show. And in Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 4, it says, Now before this, Elisheb the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah. (laughs) I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? Elishib? have you lost your brain? What's happening? Hananiah, where are you at in this whole picture of, hey, guys, let's um, stop the tithe, clear out the storehouse, because I'm making an apartment for Tobiah. Where'd the leadership go? The leadership's here, king. Nehemiah yes King let me get you some more the leadership was gone the visionary was gone and for whatever reason Hananiah and Elisheb cleared out the storerooms because he was allied with Tobiah and he had prepared for him a large room in apartment where previously they had stored the grain offerings the frankincense the articles the tithes The new wine and the oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the gatekeepers. Listen to this and never forget it. When they can't get you outside, they're always going to try to come work their way inside. He came and he says, if I can't, if I can't stop the work of God and I can't stop the worship of God from being reestablished, well, I'm going to go straight after their storehouse. And when their priests can't be fed and their Levites can't be fed, because before Nehemiah left, you know what he did? It's a beautiful thing. He made sure there were Levites in place. There were gatekeepers in place and there were singers in place. The leadership organization of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is, is, is just historic. And this is where we get the Levites, the gatekeepers, the worship team, the, the ushers, the pastor, the worship team. I mean here and he put all these people in place and now Tobiah got moved into the storehouse, which meant, that all the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers, and the offerings that they were living off of was no longer there, and they all returned back to their fields. They left the office of service. If you can't, if that Tobiah can't get you before it all starts, I'm telling you for whatever reason, Tobiah is persistent, persistent. But don't you get discouraged. Because just because Tobiah is persistent and trying to get you to stop and trying to get you to be distracted and trying to remove the resources from your life to do what you need to do. Just because Tobiah just doesn't seem to want to go away doesn't mean that God hasn't given you a purpose. He hasn't given you a vision. He hasn't given you a reason. And he won't give you the resources to accomplish what you need to do. You got to move forward you gotta move forward you gotta spit in the face of Tobiah if that's what it takes because i tell you what nehemiah did next and you never hear about Tobiah again i think he might have taken him out to the woodshed and just i mean i'm not positive but you never hear of Tobiah again after that, because Nehemiah says, I was gone during that time, but I came back and it's like, I came back. When I came back, I took care of business. Nehemiah himself went into that room and he says, I went into that room and when I returned into the courts and I therefore threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of that room and I commanded them, cleanse that room and bring back the articles of the house of God and the grain offering and the tithe than the frankincense into the house so the work of God can continue I'm telling you Nehemiah make no mistake about it it wasn't pretty it wasn't pretty I mean he went in there and I can envision bare hands grabbing articles of furniture and clothing and bare hands tossing Tobiah out of the storehouse I'm telling you, people of God, and we're gonna close with this this last thought. Tobiah is not gonna go away easily. It's not gonna go away easily. He's gonna go keep on every strategy that he can invent, and then he's gonna create a few that you never thought were possible. It's gonna take us the people of God with the vision from the Lord and the passion from God and the resources from God, praying to the Lord to strengthen our hands, asking the Lord to watch over us day and night when we will set some people up with spears on the wall and we'll put hammers in the hands of others. But we as a people, we need to get serious about kicking Tobiah out Of our lives. There is no reason. There is no reason. That Tobiah. Should stop you. From accomplishing. The work of God in your life. In Jesus name.